uh, Eurofolk Radio, works with Andy, Andrew Carrington Hitchcock, Andy Hitchcock, myself from time to time. It's Paul English. And Paul, again, welcome to Inside the Eye Live for 2021, man. How you doing? Um, uh, it's good to be here. I'm doing fine, Dennis, actually. Yes, I'm uh, a, hap- a happy new year to everyone. Although I have to say that uh, it's never felt so hollow saying that at the moment. I don't know whether I'm sincere or insincere in saying it, but uh, I think it's uh, I'm I'm personally fine. But I think maintaining a happy year is going to require some fortitude this year. That's that's my uh, slightly sobering view of what's coming up. You know, I, I actually yeah. agree with you. You know, we can say Happy New Year all we want, but it's going to be a challenging year. Obviously, starting with what's going on in the UK what's going on in the U.S., what's going on in Germany, France, pretty much the entire world. Uh, what did you think of the, the, the uh, New Year's Eve presentation, the New Year's kick-in, where they had that giant thing to the British people, you are muted. Did anybody catch that <laughs> subliminal message or not really? Well, I don't know. I, I'm I'm so muted. I'm not even sure what you're referring to. Would th- would this have been something I'm supposed to have seen on the television set? Yeah, it's good, it good you missed it. Yeah, it's good you missed it. So perhaps I, I shouldn't tell TV, you. So I didn't catch it. it was, what is it you're referring okay, to? Okay, on the uh, the London New Year's kick-in. You know, they have the fireworks right, yeah. show. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, yeah. one of the things was like it was supposed to be a cute little joke about how everybody is. Uh, you know, using Zoom and other types of instant message, not instant message, but uh, conference calling programs. It says, oh, no, you're all you're on mute. And I'm like, you bastards, you know, you bastards, you know, you put that in front of the television crowd, which it wasn't. Apparently, people tuned out after about four minutes. That thing got completely lambasted, get woke, go broke type of stuff. But I just found it very cynical for them to put up there. You are muted. And the subliminal yeah, double well, they are. there. Yeah, they are a bit. They're a bit cocky, aren't they? They're very cocky at the moment. And uh, uh, I, I think that I saw a little clip about it that some people had decided to get together and try and usher in the new year in London. I don't know how big the crowd was. It didn't look that big from the photographs that I had. We are very obedient over here. You know, a lot of people. There's a lot of people, of course, are very disobedient, which is a good sign. But uh, I think, uh, you know, yeah, they've managed to neuter the whole of the uh, the so-called Christmas period. But that said, uh, I didn't find it that bad. I mean, to be quite honest, you know, Christmas has ended up becoming this kind of bloat fest, um, way over the top, and all these... And this sort of tiresome self-congratulatory period, particularly on TV, they have all these awards ceremonies coming up and all this kind of stuff. It's all sort of to do with that time of the year. And frankly, I don't miss any of that. And uh, we had a very simple sort of week here, and, and I feel quite refreshed because of it in a way. So, I mean, what are they saying? They're saying, yeah, it's the end to the commercialization of Christmas. Well, that's not such a bad thing, really. Um, you know, it's all got a little bit over the top. Uh, no doubt they're worrying about the future for the economy dennis you see <laughs> they're worried about that or something i don't know quite what they're worried about i mean they're trashing all that you know, you know getting ready for their new their new toy which they're going to make us all play but uh, uh, or not as the case may be you know i've always been kind of curious not curious i'm kind of like dumbstruck in a way that normally when you look at people in power they often tend to overstretch and write their own demise. And when you look at what we've had for the past 40, 50 years, 
with sports and uh, theater and live entertainment and the movies, of course. These were, and the mainstream media, you know, these are traditional Jewish powerhouses where they drew their money from. And they're all getting skewered. Every single one of these industries is getting absolutely trashed. And it obviously they do theoretically print the money, but it has to be having a terrible effect on some of their organization and planning over time. It must because the money is just not going to be there long term. They got to win or they're going to die. Well, I guess so. I suppose it all depends what <clears throat> what the new plan really looks like because there definitely is one afoot. Uh, they're sending us little signals. You know, we're all supposed to get roped into it. I've got I've got a reasonably clear idea of what I think is coming up um, because it's been long in the planning and there've been rumours of this for decades. You know, the cashless society, and it sounds a bit pathetic to even just call it that because I know there's an awful lot more going on with it. But uh, maybe they are quite willing to be sacrificial financial pawns in this game. They've been told, don't worry, your industries are going to get trashed, but you'll be covered for in this particular way. But I mean, this focal point on making money, the idea of making profits, you know, the idea of a competitive capitalist society, if that's what we want to call it, um, they want to bring that to an end. Now, perversely, so do I, but but not in the way that they do. Um, and it's all a matter of, you know, their hubris knows no bounds, does it? I mean, it's just, it's unceasing. And... Um, for some reason as well, Aristotle, the name of Aristotle has been coming up a lot, Dennis, for me in some of my researches and conversations. Uh, I'm not totally against the things that Aristotle said, but one of the things that seems to have plagued us that emanated from him is this idea that there are a group that are fit to rule and there's there everybody else who are to be ruled. He didn't say it so clumsily as I just said it, you know, he probably said it in refined Greek, but uh, that's the gist of it. That's one of the Aristotelian well, sort of... I'm not actually against you know. that. I think that's actually holds some truth. I think that's just casual observation. I think if you look around you, not everybody really is fit to rule, but what's necessary is that those who do rule, rule on behalf of the people, and that includes keeping everybody in mind, even their weakest link, and ensuring that their interests are also... So it takes a special type of person to be a real true leader or rule. You know, I don't want to say ruler, but you know what I mean? Some of that really represents a political elite that can take care of yep. even their weakest element mm-hmm. of their society. And what we have now, they're not fit to rule either. They're incompetent. They're stupid. They're arrogant. They don't care about anybody within their society. So I, I I wouldn't disagree with Aristotle, but I, I would just say that our current leadership, um, they're not fit either. We don't have leadership in the political class right now anywhere. Maybe Trump, maybe, maybe, maybe Putin, maybe MBS, yeah. quite frankly, here. He's doing a lot for his people. Uh, and unless you're doing something nationalist or populist, I think you would have to be ruled out. Or Bonn seems to be doing okay. So, yeah, I, I kind of wouldn't dismiss that, Paul, out of hand from my observations. No, I mean, it, it is an observation. It's just that as it is applied, you know, Currently. I was going to think of I and there's the rub, given what you said, you know, that as long as they lead for the goodness of everybody else. But we seem to have got we've hit a point. It seems to me, you know, I'm not invited to their parties. I suppose you're not either. Um, and um, 
But it seems to me that they've hit a point of, you know, literally kicking everything over to restart again. Although, of course, it's been a long time in the planning, I think. And uh, so the idea of, of people focusing on, you know, the, the, this year or the year just gone, I should say, looking back on it with 2020 vision, aha, uh-huh, is um, uh, I, I've, my position with it ever since it started with the COVID thing is that it's a cover. COVID is the cover for the the readjustment of life, you know. Yeah, Paul, and we, uh, they've had this long in the planning. Yeah, I actually agree with that for sure. Probably much longer than most realize, even us. Uh, let's go out to the phones, Paul. You know, we keep our phone lines open here. Two one zero area code. Hi, welcome and happy new year, and welcome to inside the i live. I guess they're on mute because you're on and I'm on. Maybe they're just not even on the air. No, they're not on. Okay, the call didn't stick. So, okay, no worries. So, yeah, I think this has been in a long time in the making. You know, they talk about the 2020, no, the 2012 Zion and Games, they called it, the Olympic Games. And, you know, they even had the illusion that, hey, this is, uh, you know, they had this was about COVID, you know, all the way back in 2012. Um <laughs> That's I think right. we've seen those videos. We've had, you know, the stuff going back to 2003, you know, some of the t- television shows, 2002, 2003. And I think Bill Gates' father or something like that, or Boris Johnson's father, somebody like that wrote about a pandemic uh, shutting everything down in like 1982, something like that. Yeah, Boris so, Johnson's dad, I think, that came on that. Yeah, so it's like, okay, these guys – so I'm just curious. You think they can make this stick or are people going to wake up to the point to where they are going to actually fight back and do something? Um, I don't know what a fight back is going to look like, actually, uh, Dennis. It's a bit difficult to sort of envisage exactly what that's going to look like. By the way, I've got a horrific echo that's just sprung up in the last yeah, 10 seconds. That's, oh, we just added a phone. Let's yeah, get sorry. the caller in. Uh, 210 area code. Hi. Welcome to Inside the Live with Paul English. Yes, hello, Fetch. Uh, what an honor to speak with Paul English. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, that you you got you well, beat me great. on that one to start the <laughs> I don't know who you are. This is Bruce in Texas. Yes, sir. It's Bruce in Texas. Uh, I just uh, want to throw this. I don't want to derail your conversation, so I won't be long. Uh, Sidney Powell, you know Trump's attorney on the uh, on the election. What do you think about her? Her or her uh, her mention about Julian Epstein actually still being alive. That's always been my my speculation because I don't believe Mossad lets their top agents be killed in prison or commit suicide in prison. This happened in New York, and there's a lot of uh, shady details about how it went down, and I think people were paid off and it snuck out the back door. And I noticed in the Huffington Post, this Jewish writer went off the rails with conspiracy theorists, bizarre. They're off the, they're, they're, they're nuts. And she's crazy and all this. Like when, when they start going off like that, you know, there's something to it. You know, that's, that's what I think. What do y'all think? Are you up on that one, Paul? Yeah, I wasn't familiar that it was, uh, obviously if she said something, that's great. I, I saw the quote, was it a couple of days back from that lawyer? Is it Lynn? Lynn, what's his name? Uh, Lynn Wood. Lynn Wood, the guy out of Georgia. Yeah, it's very interesting watching this spat. I haven't really heard that uh, Sydney was actually supporting Lynn Wood. 
I think she was dissing Linwood, but uh, maybe I'm wrong. Oh, was she? Uh, so I'm not sure, but yeah, yeah this well, was I mean, raised a lot Who's the past couple Court of days. Who's that Supreme Court judge he's had a pop at? John something or other? Uh, John Roberts. Him, yeah, Roberts. Name. John yeah. Roberts. And uh, he's he's waiting for the kickback because he's he's basically flat out accused him of being involved in uh, in nefarious and unpleasant activities, um, which wouldn't surprise me because it it certainly appears that the Supreme Court's broken. I mean, the issue here is that everything's broken, isn't it? Now, if we go back, yeah, you'll be familiar with this. I think I might have mentioned this last time I was on as well. You know, there's that section in the Protocols of the Learned Elders of Zion where they talk about effectively fielding in front of the masses a bunch of cretins, which is what we've got. We've got them over here. You've, we've got them in plenty in the States, a completely venal, self-interested group, and that they will hit a point where these people will be exposed as being totally useless in all regards, at which point the cavalry comes in. Is that going to be Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum? I mean, I, I doubt it myself. But you never know who they're going to actually put in the role, Dennis. I mean, they seem to be able to – I often feel it's a bit bizarre. It's as if we've gone to a theatre and we're watching a really bad play – and I'm going, this is crap. And I'm looking around, and everybody else in the in the auditorium is completely sucked in, believing it all. And you're going, surely you can see that just that this is terrible. And no, people can't see it. They seem to be able to get away with peddling very low-grade theatre as truth in front of us and getting away with it. Um, you know, the thing that appears to me to be broken, really, with the political process in the States, and here, by the way, and elsewhere – is uh, there's no listening taking place. The the people, the incumbents in power, are incapable of listening. I don't. I'm well, not meaning it just as a figure of speech that they actually can't do it. Yeah, but you saw, you, Paul, you saw effective. what Paul, you saw what they said. I mean, it says you are muted. I I really think that was yeah. an in your face affront to the British, and they meant exactly what they said on that thing. You're muted, guys. Welcome to 2021. You're on mute. We're not yeah. listening. Anymore. Well, I, I, you know, I say to them, Dennis, that they have no standing in my life and that they're not the government of this country. And you say, well, this is a pathetic thing. It's just you saying a sentence, but this is where it all begins. I mean, it, it's a framework of ideas. The longer that we maintain that somehow a relationship with the incumbent power centers is going to produce any good for us at all, the longer we're deluded because it isn't. They're totally rotten and not just as a figure of speech. They actually... By their fruits shall ye know them. What are their fruits? Over here, it's ridiculous. I mean, we've got these third-rate pantomime artists stood up in uh, positions of power just talking rubbish, absolute rubbish. I mean, the whole COVID thing is just a total nonsense. You know, when you when you bring out the stat, there's barely any more people dead this uh, last year than there was the year before. People oh. just go quiet on you or they get very cross about it or whatever it is you know i've i've had more fun i suppose this year engaging in conversations with people at checkout points anybody that's heard me on on with andy on mondays i seem to always be talking about my latest exchange you know when i'm buying something at the supermarket or whatever but it's it is the case that um i've managed to get more sort of jolly conversations out of people at that point than anywhere else and a recent trip to a pub was was extremely I had a great night out in a pub. It's a good job because they've closed them all now um, for a month or something. And yet they're promising us that, you know, it'll all be well in the future. It's all well now. There's nothing wrong now. I mean, on uh, exactly. on uh, New Year's Day, yesterday, I think it was, a couple of days ago, 
down here by the sea, seashore where I am, the place was absolutely packed. Nobody, I saw one idiot with a mask on. I mean, really. And, and no one genuinely actually cares. And uh, even though people do get it, but the fact, you know, what is it? We had this stat as well over here. People under the age of 60 in, in England, right, in the UK, who've died from COVID, according to the stats, and nothing but COVID, last year, 377. 377 out of a population of, of 60-year-olds of about 58 million. There are 58 million people aged 60 and below in this country. Think about that. Wow. 377. So, you know, and yet you will have experienced this thing that it, mustering the facts and the data and making a cogent argument is irrelevant because the other side cannot hear it. And we're not involved in a communication process. So we're being bullied. Yes. And, you know, that quote that you've just said about has been muted. Yeah, that's part of the bullying process. Absolutely. You know, if the United States, uh, the numbers are going to come in about 20,000 fewer deaths in America this year than the previous year. And then they're telling us that 330,000 people died from COVID. So if we were to remove the 330,000 from the total deaths, which is already 12, 20,000 less than the year before, you know, because COVID would have to be its own unique category, right? We would have fewer yeah. deaths in America than before 2015. We would have less than yeah. 2.6 million deaths. We're now we're at 2.914, something like that. And last year was like 2.34, no, 2. Point, yeah, 2.34 million something like no 2.134 something like anyways it's about 20,000 less and if we were to remove right. all this supposed covid crap we would be literally less than in 2015 so these guys make no they've cured, sense they've cured flu though dennis haven't they haven't, hasn't flu yeah the flu is done flu. i haven't seen any positive headlines we've defeated well, flu well last. here's the thing that they're saying though is that because of the covid situation Lots of other vaccines are being delayed. There's less children dying. Okay. We're having actually more, more children survive, less problems running to the, you know, doctors for problems with vaccines given to kids. We're not giving out the flu vaccine. They didn't give out the flu vaccine last year. So, okay. <laughs> That's probably why there's no flu because you're not giving the That's vaccine right. away. So. Yeah, one of the things we're learning here is that by actually denying the medical establishment our bodies, we're actually having fewer deaths. Yeah, I think we're you know we, we've we're seeing this this allopathic pharmaceutical scam, which has been running for an awful long time. We're seeing we're seeing it in all its decadent glory, aren't we? Right now, I mean, they uh, yes. How I many hydroxychloroquine so. plants have blown up? Is it two? two. Yeah, I think two I, major I ones. Two, the second largest yeah. in the world, and then I I don't know, that was Taiwan. I forget the other place, but yeah, we've had two HCQ plants go up in flames, completely <laughs> destroyed. That's right, and I saw a report out of Australia from a, a medical establishment over there saying the chances that hydroxychloroquine doesn't work are less than one in seven billion. I mean, basically, they said, this absolutely works. You know, it totally, absolutely works, which is why I would recommend to everybody that if you can't get your hydroxychloroquine, at least drink quinine by having 
several yes. gin and tonics every day. Yeah, that's what I've heard. my solution. Yeah, just have some yeah. nice tonic. We have some quinine in it and quinine, as you call it. it. And it acts absolutely works. It's like one of the oldest tonic, healthful tonics you can drink and perfectly safe. Yeah, it was a whole... Absolutely brilliant stuff, you know. That's it. I feel, I go all colonial when I have one. I put my monocle in and start barking orders out at this fictitious army of mine, which I don't have, not really. But uh, you know, why not? You've got to sort of crack on with these things. So it's, uh, I don't know. And is Fauci? Listen, maybe I'm going into super conspiratorial mode now, but I'm sure I saw an article the other day that saying Fauci is the grandson of Mother Teresa. Is that right? Wow, I would not have heard that. I've got to do a bit more digging on this because when you put the two photographs together, you go, oh, I say, there might be something in that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Mother Teresa rather, was... She was appalling. She was a big child transporter, wasn't she, and all yeah, this kind of stuff. So. she basically was of the opinion is let people suffer as much as possible because it's good for business. I raise more money. So she wasn't nearly the nicest person in the world. She was famous no. for letting as much abuse and pain go on because, hey, God wants it that way, and oh, by the way, I'll get more donations. So she wasn't really this great person that they made her out to be. And that's kind of the case everywhere, isn't it, Paul? Everybody that's put forward as a saint is really some of the most yeah. god-awful people on the planet in, in our history. I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think I think generally it's almost like a rule of thumb or a sort of, you know, a, yeah. a law of human relations. Those that seek the plaudits the most and want to stand and receive as much applause as possible for apparently imagined good reasons turn out nearly always, you know, to be the perpetrators of some of the vilest crimes and but to get themselves into that position. Yeah. So it's that uh, the social justice warrior situation, you know, on steroids, really, with a lot of these people. So it's been around for quite a while. Hypocrites, you know, everywhere. Um, it was interesting. You were talking a little bit earlier, weren't you, in the first hour about um, Mr. Sadiq Khan, yes. who is purportedly, I use that word, the, the mayor of London. I, I don't really, I mean, you know, a lot of people do call him that. I'm not one of the, those people. I don't call him that. And uh, he may or may not be a competent and decent human being, but it's completely irrelevant. I mean, the main thing for him, I mean, and I've been pointing this out for ages, you know, we've got the five top positions in British political power, power positions from the prime minister down. There's not an Englishman amongst them. Well, the English are not governed by the English and uh, this is just a result of really a lot of Cicero's traders within for many decades, you know, that's been building and building and building, um, aided and abetted, of course, by uh, the Bolshevik Brainwashing Corporation, the BBC. I had a wonderful exchange, actually, with a, with a shop assistant, a young guy who I see quite regularly. He's in his early 20s, and most of what I say uh, I can see just tickles his fancy, as it were, as we would say. He's just completely bemused that anybody could sort of do these things. And I'm a bit silly for doing it, but I've got to get my – you have to get your licks in, don't you, somewhere. But I mentioned this. He said, well, surely the BBC's okay. I said, ah. <laughs> I, could, yeah, sure. I could barely stop laughing. I said, probably not. No. I said, you need to – I said, of all the things you've mentioned, I said, that's the worst. This is without a doubt the worst of them all. So – uh you know, they they were no doubt reveling in in uh, passing on the muting message. Was it on on the BBC? It would have been. They would have been glad about that, I'm sure. Yeah, I heard uh, just uh, this. Uh, what do you call this? The fireworks, uh, pyroworks display here. Massive amounts of protests yep. about this, about what they did. They they literally went so woke. People in the UK were pissed. But I I I don't know, man. Like you're saying, there's nobody in UK leadership. 
that's actually British. And people, the British don't seem to even get it. It's like, dude, you're muted, man. You don't even have a voice at the table. Well, it's going to be interesting. I've never... I've never pursued a political life. I don't know if I'm going to. I mean, I, I don't know what I'm saying here. But my observation is the ground has never been more fertile for the arrival of a genuine grassroots party. The problem with it is, is that these things are infiltrated from the very moment of inception by security forces who will lay in all the sufficient traps to allow it to grow to such a size. They do this when they're destroying businesses as well. They embed their people in these businesses. They grow them to a certain size. They will ensure that there's a history of criminality in those businesses or these political organizations, which they have placed there during the growth period. Then they shop it, leave, they're protected. The whole thing goes down the toilet and and another rival, as it were, to the power structure is dismissed. This is, you know stock practice for these guys yeah. is often when, when businesses go down Paul they allow them to grow to a sufficient size Paul so they pocket plenty of money when they come and crush it yeah Paul going into a break it's the fetch everybody with Paul okay. English out of the UK back with more right after this see on the other side of the half of the bottom of the hour something like that back after this alright everybody welcome back it's the fetch it's a happy new year at least we hope it's going to be a happy new year again it's January the 2nd, 2021, and uh, I'm looking forward again to a great year. I think we've got a lot of opportunity ahead of us. It's going to be a challenge moving forward. Just want to say, first of all, before we get back to our guest, uh, Mr. Paul English out in the UK, um, chat room should be coming along pretty good by now. I haven't looked in a while. Let me just take a look. Yeah, it's almost buzzing, guys. We got a lot of a lot of people there. So thanks for joining us again in the chat room. Uh, Snips and Blackbird and Detox, all you guys, Blau Ocean, Happy New Year to you guys, and uh, hope you have a great year for yourself and your family. Certainly wish that for all of our listeners across all the platforms, and that would include the Eurofolk radio crowd and uh, the people that listen to Andy and Paul, uh, everybody that's within this extended network. We want to wish all of you a very happy new year. Uh, in spite of it all, we understand and that you have a great year moving forward and things continue to improve for all of us. Uh, Paul, first of all, welcome back equally. Thanks for joining me to start the day, start the year. Yeah, it's good. It feels as though the year's actually started today. New Year's Day is always a bit of an odd one, isn't it, really? I didn't know what day it was yesterday. It's always a bit strange, but it does feel like Saturday today. It does begin to feel like Saturday, so that's good. And uh, let's, let's hope we can feel good throughout the year. But Wednesday is going to be quite a day, isn't it, this Wednesday? Wednesday's a big day. Well, you know, we've had right? a couple of big things. Wednesday's going to be a big day, mm. but you guys have had a big week. Apparently, you guys have actually finished Brexit. Is that actually true? You guys finally left the European <laughs> Union? Is that true? Dennis, I'm the wrong person to ask. I'm a permanent cynic with all of these things. I uh, I haven't even followed what's gone on. You know, we asked four and a half years ago. Now they can go around and say, we've done it. Done what? Um, I don't know yet. The, the fishing rights thing are due to come back to us in four years' time. So I'm told. Um, but you know, seeing as everything takes four times as long, maybe that's 16 years or whatever. The thing about it all, of course, is that uh, it's who, who's going to govern us. <laughs> I mean, as I was saying earlier, we're not even governed by English people. I, I wouldn't mind getting that sorted out, you know, personally. 
Um, as I'm basically of the view, I can only be governed by Englishmen or Britons, and uh, I refuse to be governed by anybody else. They have no standing, which, of course, is a bit tawdry of me to say that. But uh, we've got to start somewhere with principles and, and, and where we're going to carry on. So I know that Nigel Farage is quite reasonably happy about it. Much of the press seem to be expressing positive things. Of course, it's all snuck under the radar because the fear-mongering of the virus comes top of everybody's agenda every day so most britons have not been paying attention like me have not been paying attention to what they've been prattling on about forever and ever um in terms of the details of it so maybe at some point during the course of this month i'll get my hands on a report and have a quick skim through it and see what we've see what we've landed ourselves yeah with. all, all but, i uh, know is that cornwall is flooded with eu people i had no idea uh, they had a thing saying that how many people are going to be able to stay after Brexit and over 10,000 EU citizens, I guess that's from many mm-hmm. different countries, are actually in Cornwall and only 200 are going to actually be forced to leave under the new laws and regulations in play. So out of 10,000. Did that two, come from Graham? That, no, that no, that, came, that no? came from, wow. what did that come from? That came from Cornwall Live. That's it. Cornwall Live. No, no, no. That's the mayor of Penzance is saying he's going to take down the union flags. Uh, This one is coming from the packet. (laughs) Well, I don't mind if they go all Cornwallian. I think that's absolutely fine. I'm really for parochial, small little England mentality myself, you know. I mean, it's... uh, uh, But I doubt if it's that. I think you've probably hit it. You know, it is a very attractive part of the world to live if you're over here. It's a beautiful place. It's um, got all the. It's just great, fantastic. There's a very high concentration of European people and Britons down there. It's not somewhere where the long arm and reach of immigration or migration or whatever you want to call it has, has yet reached. Um, and the huge tracts of land down there are owned by Prince Charles. He's got his own little fiefdom down there. I can't remember what they call it. Um, and if I put any Cornwallians um, out of noses out of joint, my apologies. I'm not that familiar with it. I, I last went there ooh, 40 years ago oh as a goodness. reckless teenager. I had that's, a great time that's, down there. Uh, but that's it's, almost it's as long, long as me not going there, man. And it's been 57 years for me. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, I don't think, you know, it's funny. You've got all these things on your doorstep. You never go. People, they're all worried about traveling the world. I'm going, well, there's loads of things in England, you know. Uh, there's absolutely you know tons what? and tons of things here. It's, to see. The UK looks like a magical place, to be honest. The entire Isles, from Ireland to Scotland to now Cornwall, it just sounds like a magical place. I'd like to see the, the you know, the, 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 what do you call them, the Cliffs of Dover or something like that. I'd like to see that yeah. just to see it for the historical value. You know, anybody that studied a little bit of history of World War II, the, the the cliffs of Dover kind of play an important role in that that story because they do. You know, yeah. the just because you know they didn't have GPS like we have today, right? You had to get back home, and that was something easy to find from the air. We did, and there's there's a lot happened up and down that waterway. You know, from the Normans being here a thousand years ago. You know, but you know what? We guys that speak English are going to take a big hit after Brexit because there's big talk of the EU is going to drop English. I don't know what the hell they're going to speak, but they're thinking of dropping English. What are they going to speak? French? <laughs> Chinese? I mean, come on. They can't drop be dropping. what they like. Who cares? I'm, I don't, I'm not first. It's, it's fine. If that's what they want to do. I don't know what language they're going to replace it with. The other ones are all, they're just not as good, are they? Pig Latin. But just you see, use, I, I don't use speak pig them. Latin. Remember Pig Latin growing up? I like up? German, you know. I've always liked the sound of German, but Me they too. have this habit, don't they? I don't know what it's called. 
habit's the wrong word. There is within German, you can bolt one word onto another to create these immense words. Have you seen that? That goes on with German. No, it's but I, I, I know how it works with the Arabic street names here in the Middle East. I mean, Mohammed yeah. bin Sayyaf bin Abdulaziz bin Mohammed bin this bin that bin that. And it's like the street <laughs> sign is like half the way down the street. Uh, they know what I mean. Oh, I like it's it. really long, but you just shorten things down to one or two words and you know what street we're talking about. But it's really like 15 words to a street sign. So, yeah, I can get kind of that idea. Paul, let's go back out to the phone. 705 area code. I believe that's Lonnie. Hi. Welcome. Happy New Year and uh, welcome inside the iLive. Hello, Dennis. Uh, hello, Paul. Uh, Hi. Fantastic talking to both you guys. Uh, Mr. English, I uh, catch a lot of programs you do, and I especially like the two roundtables uh, you guys did with uh, Bryzer, Blackbird 9. Uh, great stuff. Really enjoyed that. Um, and, uh, actually, as you mentioned, uh, UK seems like a magical place. I, you know, I've been fortunate enough to be, um, uh, to have been uh, all over the UK. Uh, well, not everywhere, but, uh, to see the bulk of it, you know, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, Cornwall, Britain, of course. And, uh, it, it was, it was a magical place for me. It, it was one of the first experiences I had of realizing there's more to my white, uh, history and heritage than I, than I was taught in school and you can just feel it. There's something about it in the air. And, uh, and so I'm very thankful for that, but okay. Anyway, guys, I wanted to bring up a couple of things. Uh, one of the things I'm seeing kind of pervasive in the alternative media right now concerning this vaccination thing is I'm, I'm hearing kind of everybody saying, you know, this thing is totally untested uh, you're crazy to take it, so on and so on. Uh, agree 100% people are crazy to take it. I, But I, where I disagree with it is I don't believe it's untested at all. <laughs> uh, that's the public perception they're putting out there, right? But um, given the, these people's long planning history, uh, they, they, in my, I can't prove it, of course, but in my mind, they probably formulated this witch's brew uh you know, certainly years ago and tested on all kinds of people that they kidnapped off the streets because it didn't matter if they killed them off or not because that was the goal. And they know exactly what they're doing. So I, I disagree with the the general sentiment that this thing's untested. Just thought I'd throw that out there for people to think about. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up is Dennis had mentioned earlier in the program this notion of all these, uh, at least entertainment events, being peopleless, you know, sports uh, without people, uh, it's New Year's nonsense without people, and it's sending a real clear message, you know, and I, I just want people to, for 2021, to dwell frequently <laughs> on the idea of the world without Jews and what it would be like and how wonderful it really could be. I mean, there's no big re re red reset button for the mess they've created, but I feel really confident in our abilities as uh, white men, especially given our historical track record that we, you know, there'd be a few, couple of rough years or so, but uh, we'll clean up this mess and make it uh, an incredible place that it should have been all along. So think of a world without Jews out there, listeners, and uh, how worthwhile that would be to achieve. Yeah, well, <laughs> I think Dennis, what, what I would say about uh, about about what's going, this peopleless world that we're seeing, 
is there's no intention on their part for it to go back. People are saying, oh, uh, over here, they're pan- uh, so I was talking to someone yesterday, they said, oh, don't worry, things will be settled and back to normal by spring. And I said, they won't. No way. There's no intention to do that. that, that that's not what's the plan. This is it. This is the rollout. And, and during the rollout period, when they're trying to get you adjusted to an idea that you don't like, they disguise it by telling you that there's going to be, don't worry, relief is on the way. There isn't. Yeah. The only way it's going to go back is for us to grow this group. I'm just using that as an all-inclusive, whichever groups you're in, all groups that are questioning and are beginning to build up internal force and energy in your frame, that's we need more of people attracted into that. Uh, We'll get clearer about more and more direct actions that we need to take, but we must not engage. These people have to be sort of sent to Coventry. They're not to be engaged. Um, you know, uh, they have no intention of going back. So what what do they do this year? They, they're building up and then they drop, they take this poor idiot, Klaus Schwab, who's 80 years of age with a bald head, you know. They they wheel him out of bee casting centrally. Sounds like the guy that didn't get the job of Ernst Stavro Blofeld for Goldfinger. He's just amazingly rich Austrian accents, you know, really deep. And he just starts talking all this hilarious rubbish, which people take seriously and get scared about. Well, that's a problem. It's not to be taken seriously at all. This this guy in his great train set, as I, I refer to him, is entitled to his views. I think they're fine. We're also entitled to laugh at him and dismiss them and tell him that he has no standing in our affairs. And, and it's part of the problem I think that we have, or, or an area where we're weak, is we don't get to be in positions of public discourse where we can humiliate and disturb these people verbally uh, in a very powerful way. And we could easily do it. Most of these politicians, if I were to be with them in a pub, I'm not talking about a violent confrontation. I'm reasonably sure, and I'm not alone in this, there are many people in England could literally rip apart their ideas. It's the ideology that they've got that needs to be shown for the shabby, dubious garbage that it is, and that it's no good to us. I mean, they talk about these things always, don't they, about we must, we must make the economy more efficient. To which my response is, why? What are you talking about? It's not life. We don't need to do that. You only need to do it, of course, if you are perpetuating this economic system, which is based on the continuous making of supposed profit. But profit is not profiting us. Look at the way that things are organized, or, you know, obviously not. So they're wheeling all these things out to do all that. And uh, we've got a great communications challenge ahead, an enormous one, the biggest one we've ever had. And it's a type of warfare that we've been learning over the last 10 or 15 years, courtesy of the information that many of us have been able to acquire. Now we're going to try and find ways to put it into practice. And I, I would still rather it be a war of words, Dennis, than, than of anything else. But the possibility of the other is definitely well, there. There's no, I don't, no I don't see it, it happening, obviously, in the UK, where you're going to have to worry about an other. But there's lots of talk in the US, perhaps in Canada, too, that if Biden is actually able, they're actually able to get Biden in, that you will have the activation of militia groups. Now, that, will, of course, remains to be seen. But the American people, mm-hmm. a vast majority, are simply not going to tolerate this clear, in-your-face theft of the country from right out from under them. They did it honestly. They yeah. did it ethically. They came out probably, probably over 100 million people voted for Trump. Probably. Uh, I doubt that Biden took more than 20 million people. The the corruption was that much, and the American people, I really, we'll see. 
you know, we'll see. As you said, coming up, uh, what's the read up in Canada, Lonnie, with what's happening in the United States? Well, my circle, um, sometimes it's hard to gauge because my circle are, are gentlemen like yourselves, you know, <laughs> very awake, aware people, well aware of the Jewish problem. Um, so you know how it is. You're pre- preaching to the crowd, right? Like they, they, all those, the sheeple are still the problem, right? Uh, is the point. But, but uh, my circle that I travel in, they, they know all this. They see the same thing. Um, uh, I don't think in Canada, I, 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 well, let me put it to you this way. Um, May 1st of, of 2019, a piece of garbage, who's a Jew, by the way, Trudeau, a lot of people don't know he's Jewish, um, passed this uh, pretty expensive gun ban where there's a two-year – same kind of thing they pulled in the U.K., um, you know, what, a mm-hmm. decade, decade and a half ago, whatever it was. Same thing they pulled in Australia, same thing in New Zealand, so on and so on. And it was uh, predicated by, you know, some highly questionable mass shooting, right? Um, so they, they rolled out this list of about 1500 firearms that are now, um, on the prohibited list and you have two years to turn them in. There's, uh, you know, some legal fights going on this and that, but what I've seen with that it, to directly answer your question, cause it sort of interrelates to the, we'll call it militia thing in the United States is in the uh, firearms community, I've seen the more hardcore and veteran guys wake up another notch or two with the I'll use them before I hand them in kind of thing. And so I see that growing, which is great. Is it large enough or fast enough? Um, it doesn't seem like it at the moment. Um, I have a feeling we're going to see a, a bunch of Americans trying to pour across the border into Canada at, at a certain point. Um, to try to get away from this stuff when they might not fully understand what's going on when they should probably stay and fight to save their country and their culture. Um, so I'm not really sure how to answer your question entirely. Um, uh, I, but I do see it in the general scope of things. Um, it's such a great divide, just like anywhere else, you know. A lot of people who you would write off as complete sheeple do know this COVID thing's a bunch of nonsense. Um, but they're not fighting, you know, so that's right. So what what good does it do that they know, you know, if you're going to go to the store and wear the mask, but you know, it's a lie, then what are you doing? Right. Um, uh, I, I just, I don't see enough hardcore talk as it is. Then again, I mean, sometimes I can get like a 90 year old grandmother to say we need to hang all a lot of them. Right. So I mean, it's all across the board. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've been, as anybody who listens to me on your show knows I've been a proponent of hanging them from lampposts for a long time. And, uh, I, I, have you got any lampposts left? The funny thing is, is where I live, I think there's maybe four, but you know, we'll make, we'll make room for them if we have yeah. a lot of trees. <laughs> trees would be better. Trees would be better. Well, yeah, we got we'll more work. of them and, uh, and then we can nail some messages to them, right? Like snitches get ditches and stuff like that. But I, I do see an increasing anger and frustration. And I do see an increase of, you know, people that I would uh, label, you know, totally asleep sheeple uh, finding 
some information somewhere, you know, sort of in the, I mean, I can't believe the number of people coming out. Now, like, I'll give you an example. My, uh, my nephew, I've been working, he's 26 now. I've been working on that kid since he was 13 about what's going on. He gets it. He really gets it. He was up here over the holidays with me, you know, doing all kinds of hardcore training and stuff. Anyway, uh, you know, I've known his family, uh, for some time and his father, uh, his mother recently really woke up, um, probably greatly to his influence. He has an uncle who's totally awake. He was showing me some texts from him. This guy knows what's going on, but his stepfather completely asleep. And he's saying at Christmas dinner, um, <clears throat> all of a sudden is there, of course we're talking about this COVID thing. What's going on. All of a sudden is completely asleep. Stepfather says, you guys know this is all about depopulation, right? <laughs> and I'm like, he said, what? Where the heck, you know? And so I'm seeing more and more cases like that where people that, that they're, so they're get, obviously getting it from gentlemen like yourselves. So the efforts are paying off. And so I, I guess, uh, like Bob in DC says, uh, I don't like some of his style, that gentleman, but he always says, you know, keep on keeping on. And, uh, people are waking up they really are see and the point for all of us and that includes the uk you know <clears throat> is we are the majority and i i think people fail to realize that they are in the majority what the 2020 election showed the american people at least is the americans are in the majority if you want they call it the patriots they're in the majority it's not a minority it would be very very easy for the American people, if they wanted to and had the wherewithal, to in one day take out the entire infrastructure of what's ailing the American people. It would be easy because we know it's the health administration and we know it's certain governors and mayors. It would be very easy to just take these elements out. And if you put a Biden in, that is a, a literal coup over the nation. The people have every right now to do whatever they want to restore their republic. And I would say, okay, focus here and here and on the pharmaceutical industries, the distribution, sabotage everything because you cannot be allowing the pharmaceutical industry to poison so many healthy people. That That's going to create a nightmare scenario for the future to take care of everybody. The U.S. does population does have the numbers. I mean, I've, as uh, I've said before in this show, I've traveled extensively around the U.S. as a child and as an adult, and uh, there's a lot of patriot-minded people, um, even if they don't know all the details. You know, they just you know the "don't tread on me" mentality, and and, and there's quite a bit of it in the military. Like I, we're all aware here that the military has. Uh, via government, you know, by Jews, obviously, but uh, shifted out a lot of the officer class and up to liberal-minded, uh, you know, neocon Jewish-controlled idiots, right? So on and so on. But in the grunt class, uh, you know, they, they play games there too. But you know, there's a sizable percentage that that are you know somewhat nationalistic and and, and the and, American Lonnie. Let me throw this in. in special. Lonnie, let me throw this in because we only got like two minutes, three minutes to go. In the American military class is that what the military should understand in the United States is that the people overthrowing the nation. Paul, sorry to be sidelining you, man, but it's good conversation. Um, the people who are overthrowing the American Republic uh, 
have utter disdain for the military class. In Georgia alone, 93% of the ballots were unilaterally changed to Biden, for instance, which means they don't give a damn about the American military guy. They're saying you don't count. You're on mute also. So the American military should understand under this new administration, if it were to come to pass, they're nothing. I mean, literally nothing to the point that they are used as idiots and we're using your name just to take over the country. And the American military man should understand that, that they are nothing to these people. I think uh, uh, a sizable percentage of them do. From my experience of talking to some of these guys in, in airports and other situations I've had in my work environment and so on and so on and so on, and especially in the special forces groups, those guys are not these liberal-minded uh, retards. They're absolutely not. They tend to be nationalistic. Uh, they tend to be intelligent. And a lot of them know what's going on. And I think people will be quite surprised. And ultimately, they're not going to stand for this. And in the veterans community, and there's a lot of veterans, special forces type guys, too, you know, that are very few of them are, are liberal-minded fools. I, I have met a couple, and it kind of shocked me, to be honest with you. But, but most of them are not standing for this. And frankly, the only thing stopping these hardcore veterans and active duty are the police. And Lonnie, leave it at that. Leave it at that because we're out of time on this on the segment there. Paul, if you'd like to say sayonara, okay. Otherwise, I'll invite you back for for another uh, segment there. If you'd like to stay over the hour. All right, we got. We'll be back. I can talk a little longer, or I can go. All right, going into a break, everybody. See you right after this. That's the key point. That for me, Paul, there's three three elements here. The health officials, the health advisors, and the allopathic lobby. They right now are the most dangerous uh, political blocks we face because this is global. And then how do we get rid of them? Well, I think I I tend to think about what it is that we can do or what I can do right now today. Uh, there are lots of things I wish I could do, uh, but I don't have the resources or power. And, and then you get into thinking about what, what are we talking about when we say power? What do we actually mean? It's like a domino effect. I think the the area that we keep working at is this. What you're doing now, what I do, what others do, is to continue to expand, improve the reach, perception, clarity, and passion of our communications in media. Because I view the real virus as the mainstream media, it is now not possible, really, from them to understand what is happening in our world anymore. It's always been getting worse, but it's really gone past the point where it's even worth your time at all to do it. You know, stories will come out, they're contradicted the next day, then they go back to the original story two days after that. Then there's a further different contradiction, so that you get wrapped up in taking a view of events, which ultimately you can't ascertain the real truth about. Um, All you can say is, hey, the media is incompetent. Uh, it doesn't mean much. I know you already know that. Mm. We know that all the listeners here know that. We know that. But how are we to establish uh, a media that's supposed to act like it, like we think it used to? Really? Seriously, you know, I even go back on this now. I'm going, wow. Because I know in, in terms of historical books, they've been lying to us about everything. I mean, as you know from your conversations with Tom, 
you know, Tom Goodrich. By the way, he, sell, he says hi, by the way, oh, to you. Oh, thank you, Mike. Uh, uh, and wishes you the happy best. Happy New Year. Me a little yes, message of course. Thank going. you. Happy New Year, Mike. Since so you're listening, he, he happy says New hi. Year. Yeah. You know, we got a great <laughs> listener base, dude. Seriously. I, yeah. think, I think this show yeah. is, Andy told me this before, you know, long time working with Andy back in the day. He said, you know, this is the one show that seems to be the show that all the hosts come and listen to. Yeah. He said, that's that's a tribute. I said, well, thank you, Andy. I never thought of it that way. So, yeah, that was kind of cool. But, uh, you know, from here, though, that's what you're saying, though. Be passionate and expand your reach. You know, develop a, a way of communicating that allows your message to get amplified. And I think we have done that here. I think here. so. And I think we've got to talk to we've got to talk to different groups in different ways. Uh, you can talk here in a particular way because the type of audience that you perceive you've got and it's there. You know, you've, as you were saying, you've been doing this twelve years, so you know. Mm-hmm. There are other types of communication that we could enter into if we could get the reach. We'll need money to do it. I mean, it's part of it. Or we you need know. resources, and we need people to stand by it. But the, the victory is either won or lost in the head. You know, all of the the behavior on the other side is to do with what we perceive, rightfully, of course, is their aberrated thinking. Their thinking is based on ideas that we don't want. Like when they say, uh, when Schwab comes out with all these ideas and his documents about um, you won't have any property and you will be happy, you know. Um, well, that's, I find that really amusing. But I know that a lot of people find it, wow, this is really concerning. Well, it is concerning given the sort of power that they're going to wield. But we have to have what I think is I'm not really interested in resisting their ideas. This is just a thought. I'm not. I'm interested in defying them. And the, and the way that I think we, we achieve that best is by restoring our understanding of what actually works for us. Because it's not to be involved in a firefight with people that have taken over the high ground of all these power centers. Um, it may be. Maybe I'm not. I'm just not suited for that, and it's maybe another man's game to deal with that. It's not the area I'm particularly attracted to. The idea, you know, I sort of have this meta, these sort of little scenarios in my head that we are at a meeting, for example, and one or several of these characters get up and make a speech, and at the end of it, we burst out laughing and we walk out of the room and tell them to close the door when they when they're ready to go home. They have to be. We have to find a way of humiliating them. I'm serious. You know, they're humiliating us. They they like it. And you've got these mediocre people like Bill Gates. He's absolutely mediocre. No one should think that there's anything exceptional about that man at all. He was simply picked. He's not thick, by the way, and he knows how to organize large-scale businesses. But why him? Well, because the path was cleared for him by the ABC agencies because they say, well, there's this new industri- industrial sector. It's key. Information management is absolutely key to them. We're going to be in control of the major players. Uh, you, Mr. Gates, uh, where you are going to be our puppet, right? Now, someone can tell you a totally different story about that, no doubt justify it all along the lines, and they leave them to their own devices. But the main control points on these organizations, just like with Amazon and all the rest, are held in other hands. There are forces at play, the mob behind the screen. You will, Everybody here knows that. And uh, how are we supposed to deal with that? It's like gang warfare. It really is. It's just that it's it's operating within these political spheres. So our job, I think, is to draw our own people to our own banner and to get them to understand what that banner is and what it's about. And, you know, in simple terms for me, it's that the family is is the primary decision-making unit over the management of your nation. Family life is key. 
we want healthy families, intellectually, spiritually, and physically. And we want each subsequent generation to be the better of their parents. And nations means to separate the races out because that's how they work. And it doesn't mean being hostile to other nations. So there's a lot of things to discuss, I guess, because, you know, for the last 50, 60 years, ever since the closure of World War II, we've been involved in receiving this globalist propaganda onslaught by every channel possible. Yeah, um, you know what amazed behind that. And, yeah, you and know what, what they're interested in. What amazed me recently, you had the uh, the the killing, the, if you want to call it that, of this black guy up in Ireland. I think uh, Breiser talked about it um, Thursday night, and mm-hmm. all of the tweets go crazy about how, gee, there's no safe place for black people anymore. It's like why the why is this black guy even lounging around Ireland to begin with? You know what I mean? Yes. Why why is he there? It, it makes no sense. It's like get them out. And the all these leftist nutcases seem to think that somehow the Irish deserve to have a bunch of black people rioting everywhere uh just because some black guy got killed because he was being violent. It's just really it's it's to the point now where you don't want to get to violence, but you just can't blame the younger generation if they turn to it. Let's go out to the phones. Nine five four that's Thomas. Uh, welcome to Inside the Eye Live with Paul English. Uh, yeah, thank you for having me on. Yeah, it's an honor to speak with Paul. I, I've listened to him many times. And uh, I'd like to address uh, him talking earlier about, you know, you know whether you'd want to be involved in, uh, in politics. And what I say is we, we definitely need to, we need to uh, get rid of that actual term, uh, basically during our Ron Paul uh, days, uh, it was pointed out that uh, politicians are one breed, but statesmen are another. And anybody who, who's probably uh, fit to be involved in the organization and the running and basically running for office is probably somebody, but almost certainly it should be somebody who does it quite reluctantly. In other words, they're, they're not compelled to want to uh, do the things that, say, a, a political type of a, a, a minded uh, person would want to do. Uh, they want to serve, but they understand the, 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 uh, the gravity of it, and they're not necessarily uh, the kind of personality who wants to do that. They're doing it out of a, uh, of, of a duty, uh, altruistic duty. And uh, like we have a saying over here in the United States, uh, if you want to be a cop, you probably shouldn't be one. And I think the same thing goes for politics. If you want to be a politician, I think you should steer clear. And I think that the, the more intelligent and the more reserved people who really would serve reluctantly are the people that should be uh, involved. And, of course, we shouldn't have lifetime appointments, uh, but they should stay as long as necessary. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a fine point. I think it's true as well. It's like the ones that want the power the most are the ones that are least suited to hold it. They lust for that, and they they don't serve well. So it's a very good point. How are we to corral these reluctant statesmen then? Got any ideas on that? How do we get hold of them? Well, I was going to point out that uh, <laughs> I don't think they're going to leave of their own accord. I think that uh, the, the fact of the matter that we, we have to come to the understanding that it's going to have to be a forceful abdication. In other words, they're going to have to run, and we're going to have to be chasing them. Um, in the United States, we're pretty much perfectly situated. You know, we have, uh, gosh, we got 18, almost 19 million uh, veterans in this country. 
11 of which, 11 million, are under the age of 54. Uh, that's that's an army in and of itself. Yeah. And uh, as another, just a just a aside, I'm only we have uh, we have hunting license they issue on a national level, and it ranges anywhere from 37 million to 43 million on any given year. These are people that that, that hunt. So I mean, you could deduct a few for bow hunting and what they call black powder, but an awful lot of them have got rifles, whether they're shooting birds or whether they're shooting, you know, game. That's a pretty big army in, in and of itself. And um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it is. I think I read a few years ago, I think it's about the hunters in Pennsylvania, that if you gathered them together, they would be the fourth biggest, largest standing army in the world. I just have one. That's just Pennsylvania, them, like 800,000 of them or something. I, I can't remember what it was. 861. Just shy of <laughs> I like you. I like that number straight off the bat. Brilliant. <laughs> well, it, gets, yeah. it gets almost as good. Michigan had uh, 785,000. Michigan, that's just two states. See? We're not talking about yeah. Maryland. You know the, God help us. You know the, <laughs> guys, you know the funny thing, you know, back about a month ago, they were spreading, you know, you're always getting the misinformation on the web. And one of the, the one of the things was, yes, we do know that Trudeau is trying to train some uh, Chinese pilots. And stuff like that. But the Chinese are going to invade from the north. Do you realize how absolutely a meat grinder the Chinese would find themselves in if they actually tried physically to do something like that? And it's like sometimes you got to wonder what people are thinking on the on the net. There's just no way China has no logistics and isn't expected to have any until like 19 or 2049 military logistics. They have almost nothing compared to the United States. And it's like sometimes, you know, you look at the American base, the hunters, and, you know, if you had a foreign occupying enemy here, I just can't imagine the Americans standing still. So I think that's where they – I was going to say, we, we have this thing now where they've declared – uh, white supremacy to be the most dangerous thing in the United States. And I I almost have to agree with them. I mean, they've given white supremacy a dirty name, but if you look at the the battles the, let's say, that took place in World War II or World War I between uh, basically the same type of people, uh, you know, this northern... European, then European male. I mean, all of us in America, all the whites in America are basically European transplants. And you look at the might and the fury and the pitched battles and the, and the absolute gallantry on both sides. And you know, these people that we talk about who love to sit back, you know, large wars kind of, uh, satisfy two of their, of their, uh, their predilections. Uh, one is immense profit. And the other thing is they sit back and they watch ritualistic slaughter. But I can't help but think that even though they were laughing as they watched us rip each other apart with such ferocity, that they were sort of nervously laughing a little bit too, which gets us back to the fear of white supremacy because, let's face it, the most dangerous dangerous creature on this planet is a white male, Okay. Well, the white supremacist thing has been, you know, the way you tell it there is true. Maybe they are right about it, but, you know, with a different context. And uh, I often, I guess, 
both of you have probably found, you know, from time to time, you're in a conversation, someone accuses you of being a white supremacist, at which point, you know, I can't stop laughing. But I, I tell them that, of course, I am. Uh, I'm also a black supremacist. I'm an Arabian supremacist, a Chinese one. And, of course, my favorite people, the Eskimos, I'm an Eskimo supremacist. I always bring them up. And uh, because each, I would have thought each person, the other people of their own race are of supreme importance to them. Not because someone says so, but because that's self-evidently the case. That's the way it is. It is that way. It isn't this other way. And you, you go back to that uh, stinky organization, the United Nations. If you strip those words down and look at what they're doing, the purpose, if you are going to unite nations, that means you're going to blend out the differences. If you're going to do that, the uniting of nations literally means the destroying of them. And that's what it does. And so, you know, these left-wing types, they're always running around talking about everybody's going to come together. We're not. We don't need to. It's silly. It's a childish idea. It doesn't work. And it creates more death and blood than anything else going. And yet they're so stuck on it because they're, they're, they're thinking it's so shallow and only goes one or two steps into the argument and not the 535 that you need to to fully understand it that you end up with these maniacs with, with a very juvenile view of the world. Gentlemen, really. gentlemen uh, we're going into a break. Uh, thank you very much for that, Thomas. We're going to keep, we're going to drop you here. And uh, Paul, I'm sure others will call in. Why don't you just stick over for the last half hour? Okay, all right. I, I will. I'll, st- Why I'll not? stick Why over. Not? I'll be back you, in a few you, minutes with you. Okay, go grab some tea. That's what I did last break. Back after this, everybody. All right, everybody. Welcome back. It is indeed the Fetch Inside the Eye Live Intelligent Media for the Politically Aware. Again, it is uh, January the 2nd. We haven't said that too much. January the 2nd, 2021. And a good Saturday morning. Actually, it's somewhat afternoon now for those of you who are on the other side of uh, the Mississippi, I guess it is, at least part of the way. Uh, Joining us here Paul English. I'm not sure if he's back from getting a cup of tea or whatever that is. Paul, you back? I'm here. Oh, yeah, you're I'm back. Here. Yeah, I was just. Uh, it's not wise, is it, for long radio shows to to drink 15 pints of water before you, uh, you before know, you get behind the mic? Is you it? know, the first four breaks, I was looking to have some tea. You know, because it's kind of chilly here, and I kept getting up, and I couldn't yep. get it made fast enough. And I, like the last break, I finally got it done. It's like, but that thing's gone. But yeah, I hear you. You can't be doing that. You know. I got a build yesterday. Remember my old radio station I set up? That thing is still actually there. I don't know if they ever fixed the back end of that thing. But uh, they've obviously done a much better job now with this thing, you know, here at Revolution Radio. I hear there's a complaint. You know, I got a complaint uh, in my chat room that says I'm not mentioning that this is listener-sponsored and supported enough. So I'm going to get that plug in real fast. Guys, it is listener-sponsored and supported. Make your way over to freedomslips.com if you would – not if you would, but you should support the network. And so there you go. Whoever made the comment in the chat room at Rev Radio, there's your your little plug – uh, we're going to go out again to the phone. See, I told you the phones are going to ring, Paul, because you know we got a great call-in show. Uh, we're going to go out to California, yep. Jack in California. Uh, how is Camifornia, Camuniformia or something like that? <laughs> and welcome. Happy New Year. Good uh, morning, good afternoon to uh, both of you gentlemen. How's California? Well, um, the weather's good. 
I think that's why most of us are here. I'm a Michigan boy, but, uh, you know, otherwise it's, it's quite depressing. Most people are falling in line and wearing their masks. They're not challenging the paradigm. Uh, those that do know this is a hoax still are going with the, with the sham and wearing their mask, you know, conceding, walking into stores and, uh, falling in line with the mandate, etc. Um, it's quite terrible. I, I think the majority of the population is brainwashed. And um, the reason why I'm calling today is, you know, first of all, I listened to Europe Oak Radio and Paul and Andrew, Andrew Hitchcock and uh, listened to both of their uh, quarrelings um, on many shows. So I appreciate uh, the work and contribution, Paul. Um, right. Yeah. And, and, and I think we're racing against the machine, gentlemen, this electronic cage and the vaccination plays that part with the nanotechnology. And, uh, these people will in turn become devices themselves in the internet of things paradigm. And they could be very well used against, um, us, um, not the resistance, shall we say, but uh, those that are in defiance of this transhumanist agenda. And, and I don't think it's going to be a populist uh, uprising that's, that's going to be the solution. I think it's going to have to be the wolf. And as you noted earlier today, not everyone is fit to rule, and I don't believe that everyone is fit to uh, defy this agenda and to um, put it down. So I think what we should do is target uh, the hunters, the fishermen, the, the trappers around the world. Uh, we should need to hunt the military, active and, and retired veterans, um, and take the message to them and educate them. And then, you know, start to strategize about uh, what uh, columns of power have to be disassembled. And because I think the numbers are out there, it's just a matter of giving them direction and organizing the, the thoughts. And mm. I think that's what we need to focus on. But yeah. um, I'm concerned after listening to Captain Austin, Austin Fitz's late, latest uh, interview, I think we are indeed racing against this machine that they're constructing. Um, and it's all converging. And we're getting closer and closer. And I think perhaps the election could be a diversion uh, to this trap that uh, she has asserted we are in. The door has not closed, she said, but we are, in fact, in the room. So I yield to both of you. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to mention it anyway in this last half hour. It's really it's incredibly sobering and totally accurate in my view. And um, she's saying things that have been, I think I mentioned it a bit earlier, that they've been in the planning stages for a long time. I, uh, you know, I've mentioned before, my my kind of stepping into this world began back in 1994, 93, 94, which is a long time back now, as a very naive young guy in his early 30s working in London. And I bumped into someone who began to explain to me the financial system. And the things that are happening now are things that we discussed back in 94 and 95. 
Um, you know, it's taken them a long time to get the angle to remove the cash, uh, which is what they've always wanted to do. They've always wanted to remove the cash. And of course, the, the real thing that we see, the actual financial system is to do with who controls the gateways. If you cannot transact a thing, you haven't got any money. And this is the key thing. I know that, you know, people are looking at Bitcoin, they're looking at these other things. They may provide temporary or short term relief for clusters of us. I'd like to think that they would, but I can't even be sure about that. Um, and have we got the, have we got the energy? to educate huge numbers of people as to the nature of this problem. I don't know whether we've got enough t time. I think you could, but we need to get hold of the TV systems exclusively. That's what we need. You give, give those to us for three months, we could do it. How, how we go about doing that, I don't know. Um, we are in a trap. It's been slowly been sprung. And I think that the parallels as well, although this is a you know a hundred, nearly 100 years on down the line, very similar to what occurred with the arrival of the Federal Reserve and then the bogus wall street crash that was an organized event in 1929 and uh, they did it to consolidate power centralized power again through you know fewer and fewer desks more organizations that kind of stuff and this is this is the latest phase and of course they're using the technology that our people have invented to ensnare us once more a bit like the printing press the movies the lot it's the same thing over and over again and uh this one though you know she's right to take such a sober line i think because it's um, it's very serious. It's very very serious. This one. Yeah, even I've seen uh, things here in Saudi. There, they do like the AI. Uh, they want to dedicate a lot of resources to AI. I saw something come across my desk recently, where literally I saw the project employing about thirty thirty five people helping to build an AI algorithm. They asked me to participate. Mm -hmm. I said no. I will not participate in building that algorithm. They said, well, we're paying you. I said, I don't need your money. I don't want it. They just kind of looked at me like, like I'm crazy. I said, no, you don't understand what you guys are doing. You guys don't get it. You just see it as a part of your job, you know, but you don't realize you're building an AI algorithm. What you're basically doing is creating the necessary formula to get rid of you. Because once they have the AI, they, they don't need you. Once they know they can rely on the AI, they don't need you to do anything anymore. So why would you contribute to building it? Let them do it themselves. Let them pay for it from their own pockets, not using subterfuge to get people outside their contracts to do it for you. And I tried to explain it to them. And these are Jordanians and Saudi, but mainly Jordanians. That's too complicated for them. They're not really attuned to what's going on at the higher levels of technology that somebody like myself would be. So I have seen this building of the machine actually personally right up front, how the algorithms are being worked, how it's being done. So, and like they say, you know, teach AI to be more kind to humans type of thing. I've seen that also. So yeah, the machine is there. It's, it's difficult to stop for sure. We've always said maybe you're just going to have to take down the electricity grid for 40, 50 years and restart everything and just we'll have to go dark to shut this thing down. I'm not sure if that's a valid solution, but uh, that's how it's going to work. They need electricity. Well, I actually had a revelation and thought that I don't think we're ever going to see an EMP because that would uh, be counter productive to their electronic cage into the internet of things paradigm, right? Cause it's all based off of the smart city is driven off electricity. No, yeah, I think you're right about yeah. that. 
You know, they claim that an EMP might have been used in Nashville to try to take out that NSA spy hardened building, you know, a couple of weeks ago or maybe a week or so ago. But I can't imagine them using EMPs because they absolutely need electricity. They cannot survive without it. It probably be used as a as a directed weapon, right? For I, sure. Again, uh, that application they can desist. You know, if you're driving and they want to basically demobilize you, they just hit your car with it. Oh, sure, that could be done yeah. easy. Well, over here they've they've said that after 2030. And no more new diesel or petrol cars will be made. It's all got to be electric. <laughs> and you know, I've, I've got. A, I am laughing, of course. I remember as a as a as a teenager, the idea of electric cars is a really enchanting and exciting one. It has been for most of my life, but it is now. And the reason is is um, there's, there's two reasons, but basically the main thing is they always need a control grid, don't they? And um, electric cars are your ultimate control grid vehicle. They can switch it on and off using whatever they want to do. Yeah. And and you said a naughty word last Tuesday, and therefore you're only only allowed to travel five miles a day. There's another problem with those batteries as well. Not that I think that this would necessarily come into play. But you know those um, small tactical nuclear nukes, you know. I, I mean, I don't mean you know them personally, but we know of them. The idea of a small nuclear weapon that can blow a city block down, that kind of thing. If if one of those things goes off next to just one electric car, just one, it produces um, one of the nastiest uh, lumps of toxic radioactive stuff ever. I can't remember what the name of it is. This stuff, one car alone, if it interacts with the battery and blows it to bits, would wipe out something like half a million people within a three-mile radius. <laughs> it's that bad. So the cars are basically latent bombs, which could be you, – you, therefore, you could be threatened by having these electric cars. Not that that's necessarily going to matter because, you know, if they get their central cron- control system, you have to assume that they're not going to want to blow it up or blow it to bits. But I don't trust anything that they say, and I know, I know neither of you two do either. Um, but we have to define – I think, you know, what we're lacking is a definition of our vision for the future or one that we need to champion. I'm uh, th- their, their view of the future is crap. It's useless. It's childish. And it's silly. Um, but they've acquired all the power because they're just driven to do this. Um, and yeah, it's not going to benefit us. So we have to find a way if it's possible, as I said earlier, you know, to humiliate them, to humiliate their ideas so that your average person can hear, hear it expressed in street talk and go, yeah, we're not going along with that. The the only uh, issue I have with all this, Paul, and I agree, the humiliation is absolutely critical. That they're they're doing that when they call you an anti-Semite. That's they think they're humiliating you, right? Or if they call you a white supremacist, mm-hmm. they think they're humiliating you. So yeah, that is part of it. But these people are so dunce, so ignorant. It just some of it just bounces right off them, and that means that they pose a danger to everybody because they are not swayed by even shame or I know, you know what I mean? That's really scary. They're I not agree with you. Yeah. So, okay. Once you yeah. get to the, you can't talk to them, then what is left but violence because it's no longer, you can't talk to an idiot. You know, I'm talking about a bona fide idiot. These people have some brains, but they don't have any, they don't have any brains. They're like completely void of, of understanding or comprehension. This 
This is their ideological view, and that's all they can see. So what do you do at that stage when, when you can't even shame them? I, yeah, you're right. When all possible avenues for peaceable resolution have been extinguished, which is what is occurring around us, you know, and you've described exactly the communication stance of most people. That's what they're like. They're, con they're literally deaf. That they assume that the only way that they win is by being right, but this doesn't lead to wisdom or, or or a return to common sense or the decency that we want back in our lives. And the world that they're creating is so dull. They're it so is, so dull. dull. But then, really, we should expect that these are very very dull people. Um, you know, in many ways, they're not inspired. They don't have an imagination. Why is it, for example, I've mentioned it before. Why is it that all the buildings? that they design are so hideously ugly and foul. They are. They're revolting. Why is it that we are drawn, you know, to old classical buildings with columns and arches and cupolas and domes? Because it inspires you. There's some other aspect to life than purely the functional and the yeah, pragmatic. Did you see? There's but this e is all that they see. Yeah, did you see uh, Trump actually put out an EO saying that all new buildings must have classical architecture? I think he gets it. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's he actually key. gets it. It raises it raises the energy of everybody in the presence of the building. It just does. You know, life is good, but not when you see these gulags at the building everywhere. That's what they are. They're just sort of you know this miserable. But that's intentional. It's not by accident, you know. And then you always get these art, art critics and architectural critics droning on. They have to use gazillions of words to convince you that you're looking at something amazing. And your first, your first reaction is always right. Yeah, yeah I'm like, you know crap? what? As a fourth you know, grader, I could have, Yeah, you could just say, you know what? This is idiotic. As a fourth grader, I could have drawn something like that. How many, how many years did this idiot spend coming up with a box? That was that was really hard. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah. Am I living in a box? Am I living in a cardboard box? Well, it looks as though they want us to well, live in a here's box. A, That's a song. Here's way, another from, thing. From that, here decades ago. Hey, here's something that came out of 2021 we can take with us. The idea of shaming people, of going after people, which is something that we in the, the right, the popular side, were generally loath to do. We never really did it, if you know what I mean. Uh, that is now a valid option now. They have normalized this to the point to where it's okay if we actually go after people. You know, it's okay. I think so, yeah. Go after them in the restaurant. So, yeah, I, I agree with the shaming 100%. Let's go back out to the phones real quick. 412 area code. Hi, welcome to Inside the Eye Live. Hi, Fitch and Paul. This is Scary Cat. Merry ninth day of Christmas. Yeah, I, I learned this year. I didn't even know this, Paul. The uh, 12 days of Christmas are actually the 12 days after Christmas, not before. I never knew that till this year. I actually learned that this year. So we're waiting three more days <laughs> to get to really? something, epiphany or something like that. And, of course, I always say epiphany is a sudden awareness or awakening, and it's comprised of the three mathematics of E, pi, and phi. And so they call it an epiphany, but hey. You know how things are kind of encoded in the language. Scaredy Cat, hi. Welcome with, to Inside the Eye Live. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. And really, I want to um, uh, encourage and I would force people, especially um, Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, 
everybody to get together and help and encourage Christians and Europeans and fair-skinned people everywhere. Um, because at this point in history, it's positively immoral and completely wrong to kick a man when he's down. Everybody knows that. Everybody has a sense of fairness. So that's why I wanted to say to you and the listeners, uh, you know, bring up Christmas, it's still happening. And uh, as you said, Fetch, I think the 12th day, let's see, today is the 2nd of January, so three more days. You know, you said the epiphany, um, the wonderful, glorious um, beauty of everything. Uh, it's, uh, that's the uh, philosophy of the Europeans and Christians. That's January 5th. And of course, our President Trump is rally is right then, I think on the 6th, right then. So everybody stay up in spirit and, uh, uh, you know, don't give up. Don't look at the bleak side because everything, the world is beautiful. It's only one portion, one tiny portion of our human family who has uh, grabbing power everywhere. And that's, that's the only thing that's wrong. Every, otherwise, the universe is just as be- beautiful as it ever was. Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. Scaredy Cat, true. thanks for that. Actually, I actually agree with Scaredy Cat on that one. But see, that, Paul, is an interesting thing that a lot of European you don't get in pride because you're being flooded with a lot of uh, refuse, literally trash. Okay, literally trash. But genuinely good people around the world are really pulling for Europe to pull out of this malaise. And, and uh, they can't fight this fight for you. But here, I guarantee you, many people say, man, we hope you guys do something because this is going to suck if you guys don't win. So I notice all around the world, Paul, people get it. And I think really uh, if, uh, if you know, you get caught up in this white nationalism stuff and you start to turn away from all the other cultures of the world just because you want to focus on just yourself, right? But perhaps if people kind of broaden their vision a little bit more, they might see just how much encouragement is flowing their way from those who really do believe in Western civilization and the Western ideal and how it is a universal idea and it is an uplifting idea. And unfortunately, in my opinion, we don't have enough people really focusing on that aspect of the courage it's going to take. And as Western traditions transcend really any culture because they're universal in nature. And I'm not sure I communicated that well, Paul, but uh, I think I did okay. Yeah, you did, I think. And no, I've got, I've got the gist of it. I think, I mean, I, I tend to focus on my own people in my own mind because I am one of them and therefore understand the whoop and woof of life in a way that one can never understand someone from another race. That doesn't mean to say that I am intending to be hostile or create unpleasantries. In fact, I've never had mm-hmm. unpleasantries with anybody body outside of my race ever i don't intend to it's completely po- pointless but there are certain you know like every group has its criminal element we have it here, here in england there are 
Lots of Englishmen are criminals. Right? Yeah, but they Scotsmen all like they all like they all like yeah. football, dude. Come on, they're just called hooligans. I know they're just called football supporters, but you know we've we've got we've got all that. But the fact is, a, a people know best how to deal with that element itself in terms of they know where the values have been breaking. When you start to sort of talk about things like a world government, and I know that Scaredy Cat wasn't addressing that at all, but what, but when that's addressed, this is when all the problems arise. It, it's an unnecessary overcomplication that naturally gets sorted out at the local level. You know, politics, part of the problem with it is that uh, is this national concentration of power. Uh, and you, you get beaten around the head with it. And, and going back to the comment made earlier, you know, about politicians, politicians, it's statesmen that are required. It's true. The reluctant statesman, statesman because the, the ambitious politician is not the solution to the problem they are the problem of course self-evidently but as you were saying a little bit earlier they're so almost like congenitally deaf they can't hear that criticism literally cannot hear it are incapable of correcting their behavior because in their own you know tiny little mind and it is tiny they're right and always believe themselves to be doing great things to save the nation they're, they're involved in doing a lot of things that don't even need to be done it's a simple, they're just, they're just, we don't need them to do any of these things. I, I would love it if we just got rid of the government for a year here, totally, just shut it down like they've been shutting all the small businesses down and see how we get on. I bet we get well, on great. Right. You know, you look I'm at serious. the, yeah, you look at, right. you know, you've got like 47 to 55% of your population now under a very draconian lockdown. So essentially in the UK, what has your government done? They have locked down the schools. They have locked down the pubs. Yeah. They've put out the churches. They have taken down yeah. malls, shopping centers, restaurants, uh, probably libraries. Heaven forbid you have a library open during these times. Essentially, what your government has done is engineered a total collapse of civilization in the UK because these are the trappings yes. of civilization. They're basically saying there is no more civilization here. You stay in your home. This is literally like a prison lockdown in the UK. And civilization has been suspended. And the UK people, it's like, eh, guys, you're, you're literally, you're having your entire civilization suspended by a bunch of unelected idiots who cannot for a second give you the science to back up why they're making their decisions, so that makes them criminal. And what do you do to criminals? That's up for the British to decide, but you're dealing with a psychopathic criminal class right now. And we have them in America, too, in various cities. It's not as bad as it yep. is in the U.K., but we have it in certain areas of the country, sure. Somewhere, Dennis, I assume that in the great you know, databases of human behavioral research, they know how long it takes to stress testers to the next phase basically the country has been running on momentum of everybody prefers the devil that they know it's just the way it is it's historically wound in that's it it takes some time but what's occurring is you know even on the most dormant of minds it's beginning to dawn on them that something is seriously fundamentally wrong and not just at the level of a so-called virus but at the at this level of the actions and you know all of the intelligent virologists and people that understand how to stem and reduce the expansion of a disease base have said that lockdowns are the very last thing you ever do. Yet these people, yet again, courtesy of the media, are never given any time at all on the platform. I don't mind that the other side gets to say their stuff. 
because, as I say, I think it's for the mill. That, that anything that's allowed, if we're allowed to fairly rebut it, <laughs> if we're not of good, then in most cases we're going to be thinking all the arguments. You know, they have this guy, Neil Ferguson, who's been wrong about everything in my life. He's out of the London School of Economics, a wrong organisation to start off with because he's in, in, interested in global the, the characters that set it up, set it up as a breeding ground for those sorts of cretins, you know. And Ferguson is the right-hand man of Johnson. Yeah, it's like, how do you rehash? Down again, and it's yeah, not, he, the guy is a total failure. Okay, we got about maybe 30 seconds to go. Paul, how do people hear more about you if they like what they've heard so far? How do they kind of tune into what you're doing? You want to, uh, I'm over on Gab, uh, gab.com forward slash Paul English. I post not that often, but you know you can find out things that I'm doing there. And I'm on with Andy every Monday on Eurofoil Radio. It goes out, I think it's about 10 o'clock uh, Eastern time on the uh, on the morning. Projects so coming up with you. Great. All right. We'll be doing great. Right. Right. All right. We're out of time, everybody. Thanks for listening. See you Thursday inside the Air Life Prime Time. Good night.